Hello and welcome to this week's edition of SBC This Week, a roundup of news and views from around the Southern Baptist Convention. SBC This Week is hosted by Amy Whitfield and Jonathan Howe. Hey Jonathan, how are you? It is time to go to St. Louis. Yes, it is. Um, I am getting my things packed and ready to hop on that plane. Yes, I'm leaving early Saturday morning, headed that way as well. So we will meet up in uh, St. Louis uh, along with probably, what, ten to 12,000 other Southern Baptists possibly? That's what it's looking like. We'll, uh, we'll have to see. I can't wait to hear that final count. And I'm very eager to, to hear how this new registration process goes, where the exhibitors are registered, the guests are registered, everyone is registered, so we have the most accurate count we've ever had. Yes, we will, and we're also going to have uh, probably the most lengthy registration process uh, we've ever had, too. So if you are a messenger or a guest of everything, uh, you had a few months to register online, and we saw a record number of online enrollments and registrations for the Southern Baptist Convention. We covered that in last week's episode. And whenever you get there, if you're not already registered, uh, if you want to get in the exhibit hall, in the the meeting hall as well, you need to register as either a messenger or a guest. Um, B21 put out an article this week about uh, everything that's needed. They kind of explained it in a little bit more in layman's terms, a lot of the stuff on the convention websites and the the technical terms. Uh, So we're going to link to that, and you can check out what you need to do uh, for that. That link will be at sbcthisweek.com, and you can uh, check that out to see if you know, what you need to register as a messenger or a guest. I guess just guest registration, they don't need as much as a messenger. Don't need, don't need as much, but go ahead and pre-register uh, if you can because uh, that just helps speed up the process when you're there. Yeah. And there is a way to register on-site if you haven't pre-registered, but you do have to have something. You have to have things that the Credentials Committee will look at. I believe it's a, a letter from your church. There's some a few other, a few other things. So do your research. Um, and just do everything you can to uh, to be there to register as a messenger so that you can fully participate. Yep. And before we jump into this week's episode, we got uh, quite a few big news items uh, to cover in this week's episode. But we do want to thank our sponsor, 2028. Uh, today's episode is brought to you by 2028.co. That's T-W-E-N-T-Y, the number two, the number eight, dot C-O. It's powered by LifeWay, the world's largest provider of Christian resources. 2028's church management software will help you manage and grow your ministry. Their easy-to-use tools will improve your outreach efforts and bring your church closer together. From child check-in to online giving to better church communication, 2028's church management software is here to make things easier for you. Start your free 30-day trial at 2028.co. That's T-W-E-N-T-Y 28.co. All right, Amy, let's jump into it. Big news out of the IMB this week. Record giving to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. You've been calling it for a while, and here we go. Yes, and I, I think everybody probably knew that, that after the the big uh, conversation with the, the drawdown and, and uh, folks that were coming off of the field and uh, the, the real clarity of the situation at the IMB just kind of sinking in on everyone, I think we knew that this would be up. But wow, breaking the uh, all-time record by $11.8 million, that's pretty significant, Jonathan. Yeah, $165.8 million was that's the right. final tally. And you mentioned the, the previous record was $154 million a couple years ago, uh, but that has now been surpassed. And, and in some, we expected it to be up uh, everything that we saw from states, from state executive directors who are, you know, the, they're kind of channeling that money through uh, 
had indicated that this was going to be up through the roof, and sure enough, it was. So we are thankful for Southern Baptist and their sacrifice in this uh, giving. And I, I know David Platt, and I saw he expressed gratitude. Uh, Wanda Lee, who uh, is the Women's Missionary Union Executive Director, also uh, put out a statement of gratitude because WMU kind of uh, is in charge kind of of the uh, collection of right. those funds and the presentation to the IMB. So a lot of people were excited by that number. Uh, not quite uh, the circumstances that surrounded this record-breaking number, but uh, at the same time, more funds for the mission is a good thing for Southern Baptist. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, moving on. Some other data this week, Amy. We have uh, more churches than ever in the Southern Baptist Convention as well. Uh, however, the attendance and membership and baptisms uh, continued a uh, trend of declination over the past few years, uh, and we have uh, dropped below 300,000 baptisms uh, for the first time since 1948. Uh, 1947 was the last time that we had under 300,000 baptisms in the Southern Baptist Convention. Those numbers, we have the, the final numbers on uh, sbcthisweek.com. You can check out that little uh, image that we put together uh, for that. 15.2 million members. Uh, 295,000 baptisms, as we mentioned. Weekly worship attendance around 5.5 million. Uh, and 46,793 churches, Amy. Wow, that's uh, the, that's pretty pretty incredible. It, it's a, it's kind of a mixed bag. Like you said, you, we, we're seeing church planting. That priority just continues to grow. But we kind of have to take in these other numbers as well and just try to Try to understand what that means. It's always interesting to see the state-by-state state breakdown and check out those different things. And you really see the disparity of money, people, and uh, baptisms in different states in the South versus the rest of the country. And we talk a lot about the, the cooperative program budgets and giving from these states whenever we're doing our state recaps in November. Uh, but to see the membership and the, the number of churches in these states, I mean, like Iowa, for instance, uh, good friend Dave Miller, is up in Iowa. There are only 96 churches in the entire state of Iowa. Wow. There are local associations in Alabama that have yeah. more than 96 churches. They have more than that. So you know, just some of those things like that uh, that we, we don't really think about or remember uh, that are you know different places that we're not in as Southern Baptist, how different the ministry is even though we all have the same calling. One thing that I appreciate in this Baptist press release, you know, as as people are are just processing this, there's uh, quotes from from Frank Page, uh, but Dr. Rayner just makes one statement where he says uh, that the report does show that there are many faithful Southern Baptists who continue to worship, share the gospel, give generously, and live in community. And then he makes the statement, while a decrease in baptisms is very disappointing, we don't take for granted 295,000 baptisms. We should rejoice with each of those individuals who chose to follow Christ. And so it is important to remember that, you know, we can sometimes look at these reports and we're always assessing up, down, how far, you know, and we're just looking at numbers. But you know, in my uh, church this past Sunday, we celebrated several baptisms. One of them was um, someone from my small group uh, who is a, a member of the, the community here in Wake Forest. And my family was very excited to be there and see her. So uh, as Dr. Rayner says, we process all of this, we think about it, but we also rejoice uh, in every single one of those 295,000. 
Amy, there's one number in here that I, I found interesting whenever we break down the states. Mm-hmm. Uh, BGAV and SBCV. I know you lived in Virginia. Yes. You're familiar with both conventions. Yes. Now, the SBCV, who are the, the newer convention, and, and Correct. many would classify them as the more conservative of the two. And the, and the name is Southern Baptist Conservatives of Virginia. Yeah, so, so obviously a little bit more conservative uh, than the Baptist General Assembly of Virginia. Uh, the BGAV, 1,286 churches, 4,400 baptisms. Mm-hmm. The SBCV, 652 churches, 6,906 baptisms. I'm not terribly surprised by that. I don't know that I can... I don't know that I have the expertise to really speak to that or explain uh, a whole lot. I do know... I know more about the SBCV. Our church was in the SBCV, so we did a lot uh, of things with them. We were at a lot of the meetings. We saw um, very, very uh, focused on church planting and evangelism. Um, And, you know, I just... I had some limited knowledge of the BGAV, so I can't I can't necessarily speak to uh, to the numbers that they that they turned in, but I can say a very directed focus that was always in front of the churches and uh, the the ministers and the members uh, in the SBCV. The directed focus toward church planting and evangelism. It doesn't surprise me at all. Uh, where those numbers would be. Yeah, so kudos to Brian Autry and the SBCV. Uh, You can see the intentionality that they're placing on evangelism in Virginia. Uh, The state-by-state numbers are fascinating, so take a look at the the breakdown over at BP. Uh, we got all the links, as usual, at sbcthisweek.com. All right, speaking of the eastern seaboard, the Delmarva area, to be specific. Yes, yes. Big news out of the Mid-Atlantic Baptist Network. Big news, big news. Uh, new executive director, Nane. We've been watching uh, for this uh, for a while. Yes, One of about two openings. months. Yes. And uh, Southern Baptist Theological Seminary professor, Kevin Smith. And good friend of the pod, Kevin yes. Smith. Former guest on the pod. That's correct. He's been on the podcast before. Um, and uh, we've both known him for a, a very long time. This is great news for uh, the Baptist Convention of Maryland, Delaware. Uh, they have a stellar leader uh, in Kevin Smith. Uh, I can't wait to see what uh, what's going to happen up there. Kevin is one of the nicest guys you will meet in the SBC, a man of great character uh, and godly wisdom, president of the KBC right now, the, uh, yes. the Kentucky Baptist Convention. So he moves from the Kentucky Baptist Convention over to the Mid-Atlantic Baptist Network here later in the summer. So congratulations to him. Looking forward to seeing him next week at the Lifeway Breakfast at the Southern Baptist Convention, I think, which yes. is uh, which is now sold out. We are maxed out. Fantastic. Fantastic. Over a thousand people are going to be at that thing. So uh, you can, if you have, a, if you're lucky enough to have a ticket to that, you'll get to hear from Kevin Smith, Kevin Smith. And, and a few others as well. Well, and, and I want to just comment a couple of things personally. First of all, you, you commented that uh, just an incredibly nice person, you couldn't meet a nicer person. I can tell you one person that I would say is maybe even nicer than Kevin, and that is his wife, Miss Pat. Um, she is fantastic, and so the uh, Baptists of Maryland, Delaware, will have a huge uh, blessing in her also. And uh, next week, here's my big question uh, for Kevin Smith next week, especially coming from Louisville to St. Louis. Uh, 
I would love to know how he's planning to get there. If he's planning oh, to fly, oh, you know how he's getting there. He's planning to drive, or if he's going to take the Harley. Oh, he's totally taking the Harley. That's that's one of my favorite things about him. Um, is that a number of Southern Baptist Convention annual meetings? He comes in on his Harley. How many state execs do that? How many seminary professors do that? I would love to know. Not many, and um, he how, might be the only one. I I would I would really ask the question: How many messengers to the SBC annual meeting have come in on a Harley? Probably a few. Uh, There's probably been a few of those. Yeah, probably a few, but. Uh, that that one always always stands out. So we look forward to seeing him, and this is uh, I'm sure going to be a fun week as uh, a lot of people get the opportunity to congratulate him. And we look forward to the days ahead in Maryland and Delaware. The bigger question will be how is he going to get to the convention next year? Oh, he could get. No, he's gone across country. That's a haul. Early. he's done it though. I know, he but his daughter. But that's a haul. Yep. Maryland, Delaware to Phoenix. Let's throw let's throw the challenge out right now. Yep. To uh, next year, we expect the state exec from Maryland, Delaware to uh, go to Phoenix on a Harley. All right. Well, we'll see. We'll have to talk to Kevin next week about that. So that yes. that's uh, pretty exciting stuff, though. I, I know that you know we've been kind of waiting on this news to break for a while on the uh, the Mid Atlantic Executive Director job that's been open for about a year now. And yes. um, and now they have a, a leader, a godly man in Kevin Smith. So excited for him, his family, and the Baptist up in Maryland and Delaware. Yes. All right, moving on over to the West Coast. Speaking of the West Coast, Golden Gate Seminary has now officially closed its Mill Valley campus. Yes. Um, they did a ceremonial locking of the doors on June 3rd, and uh, then a campus-wide email went out the Mill Valley campus of Golden Gate Seminary is now closed. We press on. Um, so they are, uh, the, they're headed to Ontario, California, um, which will open up for business on June 20th, official opening on July 5th. And, uh, so very exciting. They, uh, uh, are also anticipating the name change next week, which, uh, we'll, we'll talk through all the, the things coming next week in a few minutes, but, um, but the Mill Valley campus officially closed, and there's a great picture of uh, Dr. Jeff Orge uh, turning the key in this Baptist Press article. So big, big deal for them this summer. Uh, yeah, that's when stuff gets real. Whenever they start shutting that door and, and you see that picture right there, you realize how permanent that is. I know whenever we are moving here at Lifeway, when we locked the World Bridge and they bolted that shut, that, that's when things really got real around here. People realized, wow. We're really doing this thing. That door is yeah. not opening ever again, and uh, that that and neither is that one in Mill Valley. So, congratulations to Dr. Orge. I know he's excited, and, and so are we for uh, everything going on at Golden Gate. And and maybe next week, Amy, it will be Gateway. But we're going to get there in a minute. We're going to talk about that in just yes. a minute. All right. Speaking of Lifeway and the move, uh, Billy Graham statue that. Uh, Many of you who have been to Nashville, been to Lifeway or the Southern Baptist Executive Building, which is right across the street, have seen the Billy Graham statue out here on the lawn at Lifeway. Well, with the the sale of the building, uh, the Billy Graham statue needed to be moved. We were supposed to move it this week. On Wednesday, I tweeted out a picture of them hooking everything up to Billy so they yeah, could, they could move it. Yeah, I thought it happened. It did not. Oh. Uh, they got everything hooked up, went to move Billy, and realized that he was attached to the ground a little bit differently than they had expected. They're okay. having to get some different equipment in. 
to be able to detach Billy from the ground. So to put everything back in place, he's still out there, and they're going to move him at the end of June. Okay. So Very interesting. A little well, little wrinkle, nothing major, but yeah. uh, Billy's Billy bought himself a couple more weeks. Okay. Well, Ridgecrest is a great place. Oh, it's going to be a fantastic uh, place. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great place for that statue to, to be, but it's going to look a little strange next time I'm in Nashville and I pass that corner and it's yeah, not there. Well, there's no telling what will be on that corner in the next six to eight months either. So when Billy is gone and they start working and, and uh, doing some, some demolition and some changes around here. It, it'll Probably be someone playing guitar. That's entirely possible. Yes, because that's everywhere on almost every corner. So uh, you're right, Amy. It, it is Nashville after all, and it's it's also CMA Fest week here in Nashville. Uh, for those of you who don't pay attention to country music, uh, it's just a big party right now in downtown Nashville. Uh, things are kind of crazy around the office. So fun times. But the the statue of Billy Graham that will be moving to Ridgecrest soon uh, bought itself a couple more weeks just because of the way it's installed here at the building. All right. Moving on, Amy. We got a couple of pieces of news regarding the annual meeting and the pastor's conference next week. Last week on the podcast, I said that I didn't expect any other pastor's conference vice president or treasurer right. nominees or anything. And there it was. And I was wrong. Again, this is like twice in a week that I've been wrong. Um, so I'm going to have to go and Only figure twice? things out. Yes, I think twice. Right. You got you, me once uh, last week and then this week. So that's like twice. That's really great because I'm wrong a lot more than that. So yeah. what a record. I, I try not to keep track of wrongs. Okay. Uh, you know, it's, that's biblical and all. But anyway, uh, Greg Davidson is going to be a Pastors Conference Vice President nominee. He is a pastor out in California and will be nominated by Fred Wolf, a pastor down in Mobile, Alabama. Yes. So uh, that's uh, the vice president slot. That means that there will be a contested election in the president role and in the vice president role. Uh, this pastor, Greg Davidson, I think we mentioned last week, the vice president nominee. Paul Smith, who is uh, also nominated for vice president, is from uh, the Phoenix area. Greg Davidson uh, is from California, so still uh, out west. So both nominees for vice president of the pastor's conference are from the west, uh, which I'm sure will be a big help just location-wise. But this is going to be very interesting. And remember, as we talked about last week, the pastor's conference is not, that's not part of the SBC annual meeting. There's no ballots, anything like that. It's just the people who are in the room at the time, uh, everybody who's in there, they participate in this vote, you know, just kind of raise raise hands. And so we've got two contested elections. And then the treasurer uh, spot is uncontested. So far. So, so far, yes. Yeah, I don't want to make that mistake again. Um, so we'll see what happens on that. I I was a little surprised, honestly, to see uh, another nominee. Usually there aren't many nominees for these positions. So uh, yeah. we'll see what happens between Greg Davidson and Paul Smith out there, both, I'm sure, capable candidates, and we'll, yep. we'll see uh, who the messengers decide. Yes. All right, and finally, the Southern Baptist Convention St. Louis Prayer Call, the Tuesday night meeting that Dr. Ronnie Floyd is hosting uh, with the Gettys and many others, will be broadcast by Daystar Television Network worldwide. That's correct. Uh, it, this is going to be everywhere. So it's going to be live streamed, obviously, uh, which that already happens at sbcannualmeeting.net. It's also going to be video on demand after. It's going to air on the Daystar Television Network, and it's going to be rebroadcast on uh, Salem Radio. So there are tons of uh, places where this prayer service uh, will be. And uh, that's, that's pretty amazing. So it will be able to reach a lot of people. 
And also, um, it, it, it will be something that a lot of our international missionaries can, uh, can, can tune into and have a, a connection with as well. So big news. That's, that's very exciting. Yeah, Daystar reaches more than 108 million U.S. households and over 714 million homes worldwide. So a potential audience of like 2 billion people. So you can check your local listings if you're not going to be joining us in St. Louis. Try to find that Daystar television network on whatever your local cable or satellite provider is. Uh, and maybe even it maybe even broadcast on a uh, over-the-air station. Yeah, uh, maybe possible so. possible in your area. Just have to check your local listings for that. But uh, tune in. It starts at 6.30 on June 14th at 6.30 Central Time. So that's local time. So if you're in the Eastern Time Zone, 7.30. And right. uh, you can do the uh, the calculations for wherever you are. Uh, as well uh, for that. So, but uh, if you're not going to be in St. Louis, join us online at spcannualmeeting.net and watch that. Uh, you can watch the entire convention uh, there, or join us on Daystar Television Network Tuesday night. Last major thing we're going to do on this week's episode is we're going to throw out. We've got uh, seven questions that we have uh, put together for the SBC annual meeting. Just things to think about as we go in. Uh, but before we get to that, let's uh, hear about our sponsor one more time. Just a reminder that 2028 uh, can help you with all your church technology needs, whether that be online giving, child check-in, church management software, or your church website. You can find out more and get a 30-day free trial at 2028.co. That's T-W-E-N-T-Y 28.co. And we thank them again for sponsoring us here in May and June. All right, Amy, you mentioned the seven questions uh, for the SBC annual meeting. I'm going to ask you the odd ones, and you can ask me the even ones. Okay. All right, so question number one, will the proposed format for the pastor's conference resonate with the attendees when they elect the 2017 president? Uh, that's a good question. I think one thing I, I wonder is just how much the word will get out on that. Uh, and that's the one particular candidate, uh, Dave Miller from Iowa, is, is being nominated, but along with his nomination, at least in all of the material that's come out sort of before, is a new proposed format. Like he's already saying, uh, if if I'm elected, we're going to do the pastor's conference in a certain way. So they've put that out there on the web. Um, I don't know what the nominating speech will entail. I would assume if they've made that part of the uh, announcement online that the, the same thing will, will come out. And I, have we seen that before? I can't remember any time we've ever seen that in a, in a nomination that how they would format the conference is part of it. I don't know. I honestly have not seen that many nominations from yeah. the Southern Baptist Pastors Conference uh, right. nom you know, nominee speeches. However, I, I don't think anybody has ever proposed this because we've never seen it. Right. So right. I think if it would have been proposed and done, then we would have seen it actually in action. And a lot right. of times there aren't a contest, there is not a contested Pastors Conference nomination. Right. We, we right. talked about that, how, you know, 2010, I believe, was the last one. Mm -hmm. and, and that was when Vance Pittman defeated Troy Gramlin uh, down in Orlando for the 2011 Pastors Conference that took place in Phoenix. Now, uh, Dave's proposal, not radical, not really changing things over, but making it more focused on the the every man Southern Baptist I, I guess you could say pastor the the smaller churches uh, that's their kind of their focus is the smaller churches so we'll provide a link to the uh, the article that explains everything and when Dave is yeah. proposing in his candidacy so uh, you can check that out there's also another candidate John Avent I'm not sure if he has any thoughts on this if they does they haven't been published or we could link to those two uh, right. So. 
but yeah, that, that'll be interesting. Just sort of a different discussion around uh, this particular election. So I, I don't know. Uh, we'll see if it does resonate. That's okay? why it's a question for us. That's why it's a question. I don't have an answer. Uh, number two, will we see any last minute candidates for office? Well, does this week count? Because we just talked about one. Well, yeah, but I think after we record the podcast. Okay. That, that, so that would be a last minute because they didn't make it into the podcast. Yeah. Yes. I think we will. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go out on a limb and say I think we will. Okay. I think we will see something. I, I don't know what it will be. I don't know what position. I don't know who it will be. Um, there's a possibility that a uh, – I've, I've heard possibilities of a New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary student running for president of the convention. Right, right. I've heard about that, Which would be different. Too. So yep. that's a possibility for New Orleans to have a student run for president. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't – I've also heard rumblings of a possible another first or second vice presidential candidate. I don't yeah. know. I, I, I'm not privy to these decisions. Um, right. So – uh, we will find out. I, we'll see. I wouldn't but, be surprised to see one, though. Okay, I but the bylaws do allow it. I mean, yeah. they, they, I mean the, you, there's no requirement to, for an announcement. It's just something that we typically do. So We, we could see somebody who's already announced the nomination drop out at the last minute. Because right. until Tuesday afternoon in the nomination speeches, technically no one's nominated. That's right. So. That's right. So it'll be very interesting. Yeah, you announce your intention to nominate. Yes. So... Very interesting. So we'll see. I, I, right. I think we will. At least one, Amy. I'll be surprised if we don't have at least one. We'll see. Number three, for you, what will be the composition of the messengers? Wow, that's a great question. Uh, I think, I don't know how it's all going to break down in percentages of demographics, but I think at least what we know from uh, the child care and how it closed out so early, uh, just some of what we are seeing, and I think other people are seeing uh, as far as attendees at events and things, I think we're going to see a lot more younger people than we have seen in the past several years. Uh, but how that breaks down um, in percentages, I don't know. It'll be very interesting. It will. I, I, I don't know what, I mean, like you said, I don't know what the percentage is. I think we do get that information, though, post-convention. Uh, they, they, doesn't the executive committee release you know, some kind of age range or something of the messengers. They, I think they have in the past. I, we can double check on that, but uh, we'll keep an eye out for that information if they release any demographics. But I'm with you. I know Baptist 21, their lunch, largest they've ever had, sold out faster than they've ever had it sold out. Lifeway, huge breakfast that we're having. Midwestern, I've been talking to them about their For the Church lunch, huge numbers there. I know you guys in the seminaries are having, you know, kind of banner years for your mm-hmm. seminary alumni lunches. So, hey, I mean, this could be a, uh, you know, maybe the start of something uh, for, you know, a younger tide coming to the, uh, we've already seen kind of that, the convention getting younger every year. I think this may be, uh, maybe a banner year for that. Yeah, it's going to be, it's just going to be very, very interesting. Okay. And and also, I think we're going to see, and not just a younger crowd that we're seeing every year, we're also seeing more women and more minorities involved in the annual meeting every year as well. So we even talked about it last week, the, the ethnic affinity groups, uh, the ministry groups that, that are having all their meetings. There are more of them than ever. The Hispanic Leadership Advisory Committee, the Asian American Leadership Advisory Committee that Dr. Page has started, there are just more people involved and interested in what goes on at the annual meeting. So I, I think we're going to see more women. Then we're going to see a more diverse crowd, a younger crowd, uh, so I, I'm excited about about the messenger makeup. I think it's getting closer to representing the convention at large. 
uh, than, yeah. it, than it ever has been. All right. So, uh, number four, will there be any major announcements how, this how, time around? How are you going to define a major announcement, Amy? Uh, so, we do. I mean, there are still some openings. Yeah. There are some okay. state. Yeah. yeah. So, we did have the major announcement this week. Kevin Smith going right. to Maryland, Delaware. The Montana job is still open. That's not really in time yet. I think they just closed the application process for that earlier this month. So, that's not going to happen. The WMU executive director headship is also open, and uh, Wanda Lee, her announcement to retire earlier this year. So I don't think we're far enough along in that process because that's only been about six weeks since right. since they closed the applications for that. So I don't think we'll see anything there. The only thing I could possibly think of for major announcements, you know, personnel-related, would possibly be a retirement of an entity head or state exec. Right. That's a possibility uh, to make that announcement at the, the convention or, you know, maybe the, a hiring of another, right. you know, uh, professor from another seminary or, so, or at a seminary. Sometimes we catch wind of news that happens later on. Sometimes we don't. But uh, it's, it's possible we could see something next week. I'm a little less confident in this than I am for the last-minute candidates for office. If I gave last-minute candidates for office in my previous answer, maybe a 25%, 30% chance. Okay. I think I'd probably give this a... Maybe a 10% chance of happening. All right. All right. Your question. What resolutions will emerge from the annual meeting? Well, this is going to be very interesting. We do have some resolutions that we know about uh, that that people have already made public that they submitted. Uh, one is about the Confederate flag. One is um, about churches' response to abuse. Um, I'm going to just anticipate... Uh, we'll we'll certainly see some things about uh, marriage. I mean that the Obergefell decision came out last year after the SBC, so that could come. We may have something about the refugee situation. I would certainly assume we're going to have a resolution on religious liberty. Uh, that's that's huge. As we always say, there there are always resolutions about uh, thanking the city of St. Louis. There may be a resolution. I'm going to um, vote against that one. Yeah. Can we vote against? <laughs> Just out of principle, I, I have nothing against the city of St. Louis, but uh, it just th that resolution every year cracks me up. Yeah, I think it's just one of those things that's considered to be appropriate, just like legislatures will pass resolutions thanking people or honoring people. But there'll be a, a one that, that honors uh, Wanda Lee as she retires. So, I mean, you'll have some like that that are more formalities, but the ones that are more topical, I mean— I, I'll be very intrigued. I'll be intrigued to see if these ones that we know about that were submitted, if they make it out of committee and just what the conversations are on the floor. Because as we've said before, uh, that's the one that, that that's the time that externally people will be paying more attention to what we say, what resolutions come out of, because this is, this is the moment where we speak about something in a given year. So what will the SBC, um, annual meeting, what will the Southern Baptist Convention of 2016 have to say about the things happening in the world around us? Uh, we're going to go on record. All right. Last year, one of the resolutions that I think surprised us that we, we didn't really know it was coming, not in a surprise in a bad way, it just we didn't realize it was going to show up until last minute, was the, uh, the one on religious persecution uh, from right. overseas. I think this year, while it hasn't been mentioned specifically as a resolution, I wouldn't be surprised to see something about uh, transgender rights, those kind of issues uh, this year 
even though we haven't seen a proposed resolution, but I would not be surprised if we get one from the Committee on Resolutions. All right. So this one, I think we know the answer to this, but will Golden Gate become Gateway? It better they, be your Jeff Orge has a lot of letterhead he's got to send back. I know. They've locked the Do you the think doors. they waited for that? Do you think they waited... To order the letterhead until the, after the no, convention. No, they're bringing that booth that changes over. They've got it. They've got it all. I bet you they've got new name tags, everything, and they're going to switch them as soon as that vote happens. I can't wait to see it. Um, but let's all vote yes, folks. This is exciting, exciting stuff. Yes. So, uh, so because I, think I, of all the cooperative program money you'd be wasting if you didn't, that's <laughs> didn't right. vote yes. Yes, so this is a big thing. Uh, we, we can all have fun and say we were there when we did this, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. And, I mean, goodness, we're going to be right there. What a year to do that right outside the Gateway Arch. Yes. Exactly. The See Gateway City. There? That's gateway right, in Seminary. the Gateway City. Let's let's uh, make it Gateway uh, Theological Seminary. So uh, very, very exciting time. I think that's a Yes. But it's a question. It's a question. It's, it's a, a question. One. We don't know the answer to it because we haven't voted yet. All right, so to finish off our questions, this is a hugely important question. The the week really you know, hinges on this. Will Lizette Beard reprise her tour and evaluation of the Exhibit Hall candy? Yes. We are expecting this. We're counting on you, Lizette. For those of you who don't know, you need to follow Lizette Beard on Twitter. At Lizette Beard. Yes, um, and she always does this great thing where she'll go around the exhibit hall and she will tell what the big highlights are. And she'll say, I mean, good or bad, she'll tell the booths that have the best candy. She'll tell if there's anything interesting, any interesting giveaways at a booth. And then one year there was a candy that I think turned her mouth blue or something like that. And she did like a big alert, alert, don't get this candy. It turns your mouth blue. Um, so we are all counting on her. She needs to do that on Monday, really. Yeah, got to do that early. Monday morning yeah. early. Let us know. Yes. We got we got to know before we walk in there. Yes. So go ahead and follow her now um, so that you're ready for that on Monday. Yeah, and expect the shenanigans. Yeah, and if you haven't met Lizette, please do. Find her at the convention and, and do that. So meet her. I know she'd love to talk to anybody who listens to the uh, the podcast. You can tell her how much you enjoy listening to the podcast because I know she does too. Uh, yes. But anyway, all right. So those are our seven questions, or six and a half, I guess, uh, questions for the annual meeting. And uh, well, can't we to to find out? We we'll have to see how we do. You know, look at these uh, maybe next week, Amy, and go over. You know, run back over them real quick and see uh, see how we did on these. Yes. So that's going to bring us to my favorite part of the week this week in SBC history. Amy, blow our minds. All right. So I mean. When I'm doing the stuff this month, most of it will involve SBC annual meetings because it's just that time now. Um, but I decided to go to uh, June 11th, which this week is on Saturday. So we're kind of cutting it close to next week. But that was the day that the SBC started in Dallas in 1985, which uh, for those of you who have an understanding of recent Baptist history, particularly the conservative resurgence. That was a crucial year. It was the uh, re-election of Charles Stanley as president, kind of a watershed moment where uh, the moderates at that time, they mobilized all they had to kind of stop what was happening, and that failed. So it was a very decisive moment. But the thing that's really amazing just to take in, you know, we hear stories of buses 
45,519 registered messengers. That is staggering. Just yes. amazing. Yeah, and it probably was, uh, people say, may have been the largest deliberative body ever assembled. Now, deliberative body, that's a kind of a parliamentary terms in Robert's Rules of Order a lot. A convention is a type of deliberative body, and that's a group of people coming together in one room to make decisions together. Um, that's kind of the basic definition of it. So it's pretty amazing. You can have, you know, a board at a small level can be a deliberative body, you know, have all these things that can fit. 45,519 people coming together to convene as one group uh, to make decisions and to make one really crucial decision, which was to elect Charles Stanley as president and kind of really turn a corner where everyone understood this is the direction that we are going in. And a lot of things happened after that, as we know. Um, but I just kept looking around, trying to find different things going on. And, and it, it kind of feels more like you're, you're moving into next week. But it was uh, June 11th was when that kicked off. So I decided, eh, it's Saturday. We're going to call it close enough. And so uh, major, major uh, time all happening this week in SBC history. All right. There's a few notes in this. Mm -hmm. All right. The uh, first note that I, I found was that Moore, uh, the, the candidate that ran against Charles Stanley, that's Pastor Winfred Moore from First Baptist Church Amarillo. Yes. He had 19,795 votes, and he lost. He had yeah. more votes than any previous winner of the presidency election had ever had. And he still lost because of the, the huge record-shattering numbers. Um, and, and this was also the last SBC annual meeting that was not presided over by parliamentarian Barry McCarty. This was the, uh, the meeting that led to them going and finding Barry that he talked about in the previous episode. That's right. Of us. So this was a really big one. So this is more than just the presidential election. This was the one where uh, there was a... a kind of a contentious discussion over the nominating slate, and that's where uh, Charles Stanley had a call that, that something was out of order. And so then that began um, a lawsuit that led to uh, hiring a professional parliamentarian. So uh, really, really crazy. But, I mean, that's, you know, when we, we talk about how we're increasing numbers, and our numbers look really good, you know, to to us. But it's pretty phenomenal to think forty five thousand. And th this article from Baptist Press in nineteen eighty five says forty five thousand four hundred thirty one. But uh, if you look, I also put in there an article from a year ago because it was a thirty year mark. Uh, it says forty five thousand five hundred and nineteen. So there may be a little more time to verify some of those registrations. Yeah. Right. Uh, that's a massive amount. Yeah, a couple other nuggets in here. Raymond Allen got up right after the presidential election. It was announced. And then nominated Moore for the first vice presidency. Without yes. him knowing. He didn't know. He had no idea. And he was like, uh, okay. So he did it. And uh, he, he announced him as the, the candidate. And then did you see who Moore beat for the first, president, first vice presidency? Hang on. Bottom of the first page there. More overwhelmed incumbent conservative first vice president, Zig Ziglar. Oh, no, no, no. Yes, I did see that. I did see that. And I didn't even know that occasionally I'm starting to catch some names in some of these uh, SBC history moments that I had no idea they were really like heavily involved 
in uh, the Southern Baptist Convention. Had no idea about Zig Ziglar. Yep, and, and there's actually even a, a discussion in this article about the 10-year plan to take control of denominations, seminaries, and agencies by electing a succession of conservative presidents. So, like, this was widely known. I mean, yeah, we, oh, we yeah, kind of think yeah. about this, you know, all these backroom deals and all this kind of thing. That's kind of the lore of the conservative resurgence. We're six years in here, and they're putting it in the Baptist press story. It was known what was going on. I mean, at this point, at this point, it was in full... A swing because at this point that's how both sides were were building candidates to put up because they were trying to stop this tide so it was very much out in the open at this stage uh i that but that's where you know these buses were were coming in just tons and tons of people um it, it's interesting so someone asked me uh earlier this week you know why why do you see higher numbers is it because of of cities, or is it because of really understanding what what you're being a part of? Is it because of the actual content of the meeting? Um, I think when you look at the years that are our highest numbers, certainly you have somewhere it's you know Orlando, but the years that are our highest numbers are when we know that there are actually just major major things to uh, to discuss. So I, I'd love to see sort of a study of the years that it maybe is over a certain threshold or maybe a spike up from where it's been, what are the things that are being discussed in those years, whether they're, you know, the election or, or whatever. All right, final note in this story, Amy. 74 resolutions were formally submitted. That's pretty crazy. They, only 11 of them made it out of committee. Right. Uh, and But 74 resolutions. Can you imagine if you're the uh, the chairman or vice chairman, uh, Jason, Jason Deucing, friend of ours, is the vice chairman for the Committee on Resolutions this year. Can you imagine walking into that first meeting on Sunday or whenever they meet and having a stack of 74 resolutions sitting in front yeah. of you? It's a ton. That's a lot of be resolved and whereas's. Right. There was a lot more uh, work. I mean, it just so everything had to be so deliberate uh, at the time. You know, the, this this article that came out last year talked about the registration secretary who had to work very hard. You know, it says uh, Jim Wells was quoted as saying he handled contentious votes with utmost integrity. And uh, everybody there really had to be on their game uh, just as far as being attentive to everything, not missing everything. Messengers had to be paying attention. Um, and then, you know, when you process resolutions, I mean, we have a we, we have a great time and we work hard. Uh, but when they came together, especially for a deliberative body of this size, they worked very, very hard. That's got to be long days. All right. Well, that's uh, that's fascinating stuff, Amy. What's going to bring us to our resources of the week? My resource of the week is a new website, uh, conventionalfutures.com. It's been having a lot of discussions about uh, futures and, and the present of the SBC, kind of where some of where the contributors would like to see the SBC head in the future. Some really interesting uh, articles in there about state conventions and their role in the SBC, about evangelism, about church revitalization, church planning. So conventionalfutures.com is my resource of the week. Amy, your resource of the week is? So mine uh, is a new digital archive that uh, Southwestern has just made public. Um, it's the Paige Patterson SBC Conservative Resurgence Collection. And when I say just made public, I mean, I think these things have been public in, in many places, probably in the library, but they have digitized a lot of them. 
Um, so it's letters, it's pamphlets, it's audio recordings of conference presentations uh, and things that were significant to the conservative resurgence. Um, and so they've got this digital archive. I'm looking at it right now. There's a 1976 letter from uh, Dr. Patterson to Adrian Rogers encouraging him to accept the nomination as president, then several um, conference presentations from late 70s, early 80s, pamphlets, just several things. There's an article, you talked about this being public, there's an article uh, from Baptist Press uh, from 1980. It says, Patterson Group seeks long-range control of SBC. So that's um, kind of gives, yeah, it gives a fairly early overview of, of the work that they were setting out. So this is a real opportunity to look at the primary sources, look at the the, the thoughts of the day while they were happening. Um, this is something that Dr. Patterson has made available, that Southwestern has made available, but now it's digital. So instead of us having to travel to Fort Worth to look at this or to listen to these things, um, to dig around and find them our, ourselves, we can just go straight online. And so this is a, a, a great resource that Southwestern Seminary has made available, and I've already been kind of playing around in there looking at stuff. Yeah, that's going to be um, a black hole for us. Yes, it, it's yes. A, it's a rabbit's hole. We'll go in there and never come out. I know. It's like the the uh, historical library and archives. I, I just jump in there all the time. And so uh, anyway, definitely go and check that out. My guess is they will add to that uh, over time So as they're able to digitize things. So... That's my resource of the week. That's very cool. All right. Once again, want to thank our sponsor, 2028. Check them out for all your church technology needs, 2028.co. And uh, join us in St. Louis next week. We're going to see everybody. Hopefully, if, if you listen to the podcast, find us in St. Louis. Say hello. Tell us you listen. And uh, we look forward to seeing you in St. Louis. Amy, uh, some food items on the table, but we're going to St. Louis to do some business. So it'll be Yes, fun. we are. And and I love it because every week we sign off and I, I get kind of tickled whenever I say see you next week when really we just are all listening. But this time I actually get to say see you next week. <laughs>